you from the Yard Dogs Podcast Studio. A show for the fans by the fans. Talking all things Cleveland Browns. From our mic to your ears. With your hosts, Jason Hand, Mikey P, and Ian Cold Train Cold Iron. Are you ready for some football? We're ready for some football, baby. You are now in the yard, and welcome to the Yard Dogs podcast, a show for the fans, by the fans. This is Season 3, Episode 116. I'm your host, Jason Hand. The Yard Dogs podcast is brought to you by Network 216. To check out all of our Ohio sports content, subscribe to our Network 216 YouTube channel. And joining me tonight, of course, my co-host, Mikey P, and special guest from Here We Go Brownies podcast, Dustin Cook. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Jason, I'm doing good. How are you doing? <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, I got got the it's the off season, right? But you know, got the Browns gear on, got the hat on, you know, talking to you, gentlemen. How can how can this be bad? It's, it's only good. Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, Allie and I do this year round, and it's it's a pleasure. And it's uh thank you for um inviting me on. I know Allie wanted to be on tonight, but unfortunately. Uh, just was a little under the weather, but I appreciate you guys uh, giving us the invite and look forward to talking some Browns football and see what we're going to be doing here soon in free agency. That's yeah, right. I think we're, what are we, uh, March 15th is when the free agency period starts. We're less than yeah. what, 22 days yeah. away. doesn't feel and like think, it. Then. Yeah, and isn't today the first day you can start tagging players, right? The franchise tag, did that become, I, I think today was the official you want to go start tagging player that you don't want to lose was started today so i i know all eyes are on lamar jackson in the afc north like what, what's baltimore gonna do They're, everybody's looking at that that's very interesting news for the offseason well i will tell you just a little bit about that um from a couple sources i will not name my sources but i um there are some people that have exchanged messages back and forth and a certain person is not happy that we gave a, a guaranteed full amount of money to to Deshaun Watson. That in, triggered uh, a certain player in Lamar Jackson asking for a lot of guaranteed money, right? Mm-hmm. So it has been going on for pretty much since Deshaun Watson was signed and the deal became public that Lamar said, okay, I'm going to pump the brakes here. I'm going to relook at this. Now, I don't know if it's the best decision that Lamar Jackson's making as a player, because obviously the risk of being injured, you know, this past season uh, could come into play. Uh, they could move on from him. But the longer this drags out, the feeling I get, it just isn't a good situation. It just, uh, my gut just tells me the more and more it draws out, I just wonder at what point do the, do the, Baltimore Ravens start taking phone calls and be like, you know what? Huntley's not that bad. He plays pretty good. And if we can get a trove of draft, I mean, you know, like they have a good defense. You know where I'm going with this. You don't have to have a great offense in the AFC North to win it. If you can get around Joe Burrow. But I mean, if you think about it, is it that far fetched that, you know, 
if not this year, maybe the following year, maybe they franchise, to, you know, and maybe he's not there. I I don't think it's that far-fetched, guys. What do you guys think? No, I mean, I, I keep seeing this because you have a couple owners that, especially in Miami, because I think Miami really liked what Tua was doing, but now mm-hmm. with the Tua concussion stuff, like, the that's, medical that's stuff a, is starting to worry them, right? Exactly. Right, that's an unknown, and and if they can get a guy like Lamar, and their that owner is not afraid to cut checks, he's not afraid to do things. Um, so I he's not afraid to be aggressive, right? He's not afraid to be aggressive. I could see Miami in play there. You know, I've heard you know the Jets could you know Jets have a ton of cap room. They could be in play potentially. Atlanta, Atlanta is another one. Sure, uh, yeah. they got Desmond Ritter there and Marcus Mariota, but. I mean, are they sold on either one of those two? And no, no. Another owner who likes to be aggressive. <laughs> so yeah. it can happen. Well, and, and here's the truth. I mean, people can say what they want about the Deshaun Deshaun Watson trade and all that, but it was brought out in the public that 15 to 16. Now think about that. 15 to 16 NFL teams inquired about the availability of Deshaun Watson. That's half the league. So that means half the league was not happy starting quarterback. Like, I mean, that's crazy to think. But going down, they, you know, that, that was brought out that multiple upon multiple teams asked for. And I think we were that only team kind of at the end there that was able to say, you know what, to get this done, is that what it's going to take? You know, the guaranteed money to make this kind of get over the to the hump. So I don't know. Like, again, you're right. It's going to take an aggressive owner, an aggressive front office to say, you know what, are we one quarterback away? And quite frankly, like, I don't like this, but if he goes to the Jets, I think that's immediate playoff team, unfortunately, with, you know, the Ohio State wide, you know, the wideouts and stuff that, you know, and, and like you said, the cap space they have, they can go out and get a little more aggressive in free agency. I don't like that at all, you know. Uh, they can easily possibly win that division if they make a move like that, like, like no. you know. Yeah. I mean, New England's not scaring anybody anymore, right? They still have a good defense and stuff like that, but they aren't the New England of old. So it's, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see um, where that goes. I'm actually very intrigued to see where Aaron Rodgers lands. I yes. think that really, really catapult. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know how you feel about this. I think the days are over of um, him being in Green Bay anymore. I think that, yeah, that ship yeah. and he took that four days to go to his solitude area to kind of figure out if he wants to a retire or B, you know, what's my next move. And I think he's still going to play because my thought is five years from now, I don't want to share this stage with Tom Brady as a first ballot hall of famer in Canton. I want my own legacy on my own year. I don't think, I mean, if I'm a hall of famer, I don't want to share the stage with Tom Brady, especially if I'm a quarterback, because I'm going to get overshadowed by Tom Brady in that situation. Do, do you guys have a, a kind of a gut feeling or, or what have you been hearing about where Aaron Rodgers can possibly land? I've heard a couple places. I'm interested to know what you guys think. Yeah. The Jets. The Jets, the Jets are another one of those. Yeah. The Jets. Mm-hmm. But I just seeing Aaron Rodgers in a Jets uniform doesn't even make sense. It's um, weird. Yeah. That's weird. But it's kind of like Brett Favre did it, you know. Well, I mean, look at, I mean, but the Raiders make sense, right? He gets a, a reunion with Devontae Adams. He's in a dome, probably likes that, not playing in, in the cold weather anymore. And he's got that gruffy kind of look, like Kenny Stabler. I mean, the fans will immediately probably fall in love with him. And, you know, they'll sell jer- 
you know, sell jerseys, right? It's going to be a, it's going to be a marketing tool for them. Uh, and maybe it's a two year deal or something like that. But yeah, I could see him going out to, to the Raiders because clearly um, it'll be interesting to see where Derek Carr goes. I personally am a big Derek Carr fan. I think he gets a lot of crap, but he's a very efficient quarterback. He's one of the winningest quarterbacks. And I, wherever he goes, I think he's still got a few years left in the tank and he'll be, be successful wherever he ends up, you know, going, I think he'll still be a good quarterback. So I'd love to see Derek Carr in Carolina. That's, that's kind of the place I'd like to see him put him with Frank Wright. Or Indy. In Carolina. I, I could see him in, I could see him in Indy too, you know, there's another Ooh, team. That's, that's another a good one. one. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I just, you know, I just, he's never gotten a good rap, but he's got like some of the most fourth quarter comebacks, you know, like, He's like near the top for fourth quarter comebacks. And that, that's what I want, right? If there's two minutes left in the ball game and you're telling me there's a good shot, you're going to win the game. And, you know, that's not his fault. They're down. That's usually your defense, right? That's letting you down yeah. in that situation. So, yeah, I just, I just, it's weird. And here's another one. Jimmy G, one of the winningest quarterbacks out there and <laughs> why he didn't get a sniff last off season. And here's the truth. I don't even know why the Browns didn't sniff at that because there was, you know, uh, low risk, high reward in a signing like that. I I yeah. would think you know because you know it's a he can he could at least he, he could have came right in at the plug and play with Stefanski's offense like like that quick you know. But I just it's weird how some of these quarterbacks just don't get. And I think for him it's just he just never can stay healthy. I think that's yeah. the biggest knock on Jimmy G. But man, when he's in there, he sure plays. Doesn't turn the ball over. He's efficient. It's just weird that some of these guys. Just get a lot of, uh, and, and a lot of wives across the country of... absolutely love him. So, <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy G. I, well, yeah, I want to talk about, say, you know, yeah, if you want to go with top 10 good looking quarterbacks, I think anytime Jimmy G rolls out, they're like, hey, he can sign with our team anytime. Yeah. And by yeah, the way, yeah. let's, let's, go, let's be full transparent since we're all three guys on here tonight. Have you guys not ever seen Twitter or Facebook with, women uh, uh cleveland browns fans about stefanski with yeah with the whole i mean they love our head i mean they learn like oh i could look at stefanski all day i'm like i get it i get it he's a good looking guy you know he's got a good clean cut you got the salt and pepper thing going like yeah. you know like hey i get it so my wife likes him and she's not a browns fan she's not a football <laughs> fan at all <laughs> my, there it is my she, wife's a steelers fan and she is like when we hired her she's Who's that? So <laughs> I get so, it. So Jason, I just got to ask, Jason, why did you make? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's got to be an interesting household. It's very interesting. And I've been at the raw end of the deal for the majority <laughs> of our marriage. Okay. I've had some, I've had some good times, but definitely more bad times than, than good. She probably wanted to throw you out of the house in that playoff game. You were probably so happy jumping up and down uh, during the COVID year of that playoff. You know what? Um, it, it was twenty-eight to nothing in the was it the first half or the first quarter? First quarter. First quarter. First quarter. First quarter. When she knew the game was over, she was actually happy for me. So I'll give her credit on that. She was happy for me. Yeah. But I, I know that I know this is the Browns podcast. I, I want to get your guys' opinion on the the 49ers. You'd mentioned Jimmy G, like are the 49ers in play on any of these quarterbacks that we're talking about? Like, what do they do next year? Especially yeah. with their defense. Mike Yellow, you go first, but I have an, I have an opinion on that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I would say they're always in play. They're in a weird situation because they don't know what they have in Trey Lance because he can't stay healthy. 
they know what they have in Jimmy G, and they kind of know what they have in Brock Purdy. But I think Brock Purdy is is limited. Um, Brock Purdy to me is uh, he's the Kelly Holcomb that rode a hot streak uh, in 2002 for us and got to the playoffs, and, and, he, and he looked good in a playoff game. That's Brock Purdy who, who reminds me of to me. I don't think Rodgers stands a chance because there's no way Green Bay is trading Rodgers to San Francisco. It's just not going to happen. Those two organizations really don't like each other, so I don't see that happening. The only realistic option I see for them would be maybe Derek Carr. But other than that, like they're in a weird spot because I I still think they want to give Trey Lance an opportunity because he's still on that rookie deal. But they don't know. His lease is short, isn't it? Yeah. So you bring up a good point. So I have a friend at my work. He's a huge Niners fan because, you know, I live out West. So it's kind of, it's like a melancholy out here. I'm around Seahawks fans, Bronco fans, unfortunately. Um, but what's interesting, he said, and, and you're seeing more of this in the National Football League, especially with the GMs. Think about it. Trey Lance has not had that many snaps in college, right? He did not have that much experience in college. And look at Brock Purdy, a four-year guy, right? Saw many snaps, came in, kind of ran the offense really smooth and efficiently. And Trey Lance just didn't look comfortable ever behind center, no matter what the situation was, even as much as, you know, he made it simple, you know, tried to simplify it as much as he could. So, you know, they may move on from Trey, to your point, because they don't have a lot invested, really. I mean, they moved up a little bit in the draft to go after him. They didn't get too aggressive. But, you know, they could get a team that maybe takes a chance on him, right, and move on from him. And maybe they go out and get a rookie quarterback and keep Brock Purdy in there, right? Because here's the thing. Nobody saw what Brock Purdy put together. And I think you got to kick the tires on Brock again because, man, he was on such a streak. The team liked him. They galvanized around him. They, you know, so, again, you know, you don't have to be the flashiest quarterback to be a good quarterback. And their defense is so good. I don't know. Like I maybe you 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 don't even you don't even maybe you move on and try to get maybe a second round pick or whatever they may get for him. But I think you really have to kick the tires on Brock and maybe let a team, you know, see what they'll because now Jimmy G's a free agent now, am I correct? Is that correct? Right. He's yeah. Yeah, so he can yeah, sign with anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's free agent. So someone may kick the tires on him, even for a backup, right? Um, if Cleveland was smart, I'd bring him in as a backup. If we can't keep Jacoby Brissett, just because he knows the offense, you know, I mean, we kept Case Keenum on on a contract for ten million a year with that <laughs> insurance. So why wouldn't you bring like somebody like Jimmy G that could come in, right, and run the offense smoothly? But yeah, I just I think you got to kick the tires on Brock. I mean, he was the number one rated quarterback after Thanksgiving. And by the way, that's, you know, that's really hard to do. Like, you know, like you're the third guy on the, you've been taking snaps with, you know, the practice squad. You're not in there getting first and second team reps. And now you're thrust into that and you do that. Like that tells me a lot about the guy himself as a quarterback, like that he's very, you know, resilient and can move back and tell you what, I felt terrible for Niners fans in that Philadelphia Eagles game. Because I'm like, oh. man, if if he stays healthy in this football game, the Niners are maybe in the Super Bowl with Mr. Irrelevant because they were oh, just yeah. kind of keeping at bay with them. And I was like, my gosh, you got Ed McCaffrey over there getting ready to put on a freaking quarterback's helmet because they're down to their 
you know, down to their running back playing quarterback. But, but I think that is something Ali and I have talked about. The NFL needs to look at that because that's not good football when you are down to that and that team should be allowed to keep an extra quarterback on the roster because in an NFC championship game like that, that's just bad television and bad football that oh, they're right. having to get to that point. Like the, like, you got to yeah, be able yeah. to have an extra quarterback. I think. It, like Brock Purdy so. came back in the game with a torn tendon and was basically just, just handing hand the off. ball off. Yeah. He, he, he was a designated yeah. handoff guy. It's always yeah. been my problem with that. It's like you have a 53 man roster, but you're only allowed to dress 46. Why aren't you allowed to dress 53? Like this isn't college where you're worried about scholarships. Like right. the guy, the guy, the seven guys that don't get dressed, they get paid. They get paid because they're on the active roster. It's not like they're practicing. Yep. Guys. 53 all dress. Like I, I never understood why that rule is still in place. Like why, why do they do that? I, I mean, that doesn't even make sense to me. Is it, is it the literally like the space on the sideline? Are they worried it's going to be too crowded? I mean, what is it? I don't think so. I don't think so because I mean, yeah. it's the same size sidelines. I mean, in, in, in college, you got 90 some guys on the sideline. So I don't think well, that's yeah. a, I mean, I don't think yeah. that's an issue, but I don't know. Here's the other thing is, I mean, you know, they created that, pup list that's very different now after covid so they had they did tweak that a little bit so no one's on the permanent pup list if you go on there you know you can pull somebody off but the quarterback thing definitely you should have some depth there because i mean that just proved that anything can happen in the national football league right because you could have and here's the truth the nfl i think personally should review that rule because if they are going to be about player safety and concussions, especially at the quarterback position, mm -hmm. they should allow another quarterback to be there because if they're going to take extra precautions for a guy getting hit like Tua and then, man, the next guy comes in and he gets hit, well, you probably should have that that availability. That's just my opinion. But Yeah, the NFL, I mean, they've even changed. They used to have a rule back in the day where once the third-string quarterback came in the game, the first or the backup could not re-enter the game. Right. So in that situation, in the old ways, Brock Purdy would not have been allowed to come back in the game like you were saying and hand the ball yeah. off like he was doing. Wow. So. Sh shout out to uh, Big Kevin Sports. He he commented, the Yard Dogs podcast, my friends Mikey P and Jason with my friend Dustin Cook and Allie Hysong. Dreams do come true. I guess he's a fan of both the shows. Uh, go yep. Brownie. So welcome to the show, Big Kevin Sports. For the audience, you might be watching us on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. Congrats to Network 216 for reaching 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. That's That was a big goal of ours for, for a while. So congrats to them. It's it's the hard work of all the shows on the network that, that made that possible. And then, of course, the audience for just liking our content and tuning in. Is, is also good. Uh, Allie could not join us tonight. She was under the weather, so uh, we wish her a speedy reco recovery. I know that she tried to be here, and if she could have been here, she, she would have. She, she yeah. would have, <laughs> De definitely. Um, but her co-host, Dustin, is here with us tonight. For those of you that are wondering, Coltrane, he's not here. He's also under the weather. I think a lot of things are going around right now. He um, he he's, he actually didn't even work today, so he he's been oh, home recovering. But he promises he'll be back full strength next week. So we'll get the cold train back next week, gentlemen. I got a question for you. So we just celebrated the Super Bowl. We we kind of just mentioned that. <laughs> it is now officially the off season. Like I don't know about you guys, but. 
I get a little bit depressed. Like after that Super Bowl happens, you're like, oh, oh, oh man, like I'm like, what do I do now? What am I supposed to do now? What what is the most annoying thing in your life during the off season? Dustin, you're the guest. I'm gonna start with you. Like, what's the most annoying thing in your life? Well, well, Ali would tell you this. I'm a glass half full guy. I'm not usually a glass half empty guy. And this is what happens to me when the Super Bowl is over. I'm like, if 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 we're not in the playoffs or whatever, I'm like, all right, they're done. Eternal optimism. The switch ah. clicks. Yeah. So I so I go into that mode like everybody's even, right? Zero to I zero. Like it. It's it's a it's a it's a new slate. Uh, I look at it that way, and I will tell you. I look at it with more optimism now than I ever have with the Browns. I also think the Browns kind of know that the next couple of years, they have to kind of get it together. You got people like Chubb tweeting, tired of waiting, tired of watching. Sorry. You know, Mm -hmm. you see things like that. Um, So I'm an internal optimist, right? And I will tell you, we've all been there. I sat through the 0-16, but as a kid, I watched the Bernie Kosar, um, Metcalf days of making the playoffs multiple years in a row. And then I have my heart yanked by Denver Broncos fans. I still love to this day. There was a golf skins game here um, in Boise and John Elway of all people was playing in this celebrity skins game. Cause it's close to, you know, we're not too far from Denver, about eight hours. And I come up to him like, Hey, how are you? He goes, Oh, are you a big Denver Broncos fan? I'm like, no, actually I am <laughs> not, but I wanted to meet my, arch enemy he goes and he kind of looked at me kind of weird and i go i'm a browns fan he goes oh i am so sorry so he was like because he's he like you know, he gets like oh i have really ruined your life at times i'm like yes yes you have but i was like i can respect him though right i can respect his talent i was like i can respect how good of a quarterback you are but i didn't you know and so have that in so i am always the ever the optimist when i look at things from a football perspective because i'm like okay it's a new slate right uh what teams we think were going to be good last year aren't so good this year. I mean, we're all sitting here. Did any of us think the the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to be a playoff team last year? No. I didn't. No. I didn't, right? And I'll tell you what. I was so relieved that the Bengals didn't make the Super Bowl because I got to tell you, I had a huge side relief. Now, I'm not a Chiefs fan by any means, but I'm like, I cannot deal with Bengals fans and them being in the Super Bowl again. And it just was like, right? But here's the truth. I always look at it from a glass half empty or half full because it is kind of a, you know, I think the NFL is one of those unique leagues different than other sports. And the Browns have just clearly never been able to figure this out just because we've never had a consistent quarterback, you know, for an extended amount of time. But in three to four years, you can go from worst to first. There's not very many teams where you can do that, right, in leagues because of the salary cap and all the things the NFL has. So the fact that we have people like Andrew Barry and some more stability, and Ali always, we back in the day when we were terrible, talked about alignment. I'm not worried about that anymore. I don't see the Browns making rash decisions. Now, it is to be determined with Deshaun Watson, right? We hope that he has the year, and he has to be a top 10 quarterback this year, right? We're paying him 50-some guaranteed dollars this year. But you know what? He he is an elite quarterback if he's playing at his normal level, right? So I don't – the Bengal or the, the Bills, not to get too far off track here, but the Bills GM brought up a really interesting thing. 
after they lost to the Bengals. And he said, well, you know, the Bengals beat you. Would you do anything different based on you built the team this year? And he literally was very transparent in his interview, in his uh, press conference. He goes, you know what? They've got a lot of things going to their advantage right now. Joe Burrow on a rookie deal, right? Some of these guys they were able to pay. He goes, I didn't want to get so bad as a team that I'd have to do a complete reset. Because think about it. The Bills went down to here. They didn't go down to here, right? right? And they brought Josh Allen in. He goes, I didn't want to be bad for that long. And you know what? He's telling the truth. As we all know, the Bengals had some pretty lean years there before Joe Burrow came along. Similar to what the Browns did, right? They went from all the way to the basement and then came up to kind of middle of the road now, right? So each time the Burrow doesn't get back to the Super Bowl, they got to start paying these guys. And this is where these things will catch up with them, right? And I think that's why the Browns said, I mean, we all loved Baker Mayfield. I was the big one of the biggest Baker Mayfield fans. And I'd have my friends like, oh, he's, you know, he's overrated, all that. I'm like, you know what? He won us a playoff game. He's a winner. Not always in the fourth quarter. But you know what? He's better than anything we've ever had, right? Which I don't know what that says, but it was stability, right? But you know what the Browns said? I'm not investing $30 million a year in this guy, right? Or 40, 35. He, he's, he's not at that level, right? And so I can appreciate a team that can say that and, and, and have the courage to be like, I'm not signing this guy to a long-term deal, right? I think the Browns of old, before the Andrew Barry and those days, they would have been like, oh, oh my gosh, we've screwed up on the quarterback position for so long we got to sign him to a five-year 200 million dollar deal like i could see the old browns being so desperate in that situation not getting the quarterback situation right and then two years down the road we're like oh my gosh what did we do right like why did we do that now we're stuck with them for four or five years so i can appreciate this regime andrew barry doesn't make mistakes very often and if he does it's not huge mistakes right we can move off of those type of things but most of the time, he's pretty shrewd, right? Like, he's a pretty shrewd guy. Um, and I think that's been shown by other teams plucking guys out from underneath him and going right. to work for other for other organizations. So, I think, I mean, before the Andrew Berry day, was any Browns former GMs or assistant GMs getting elevated in the National Football League for jobs? The answer is no. Right, they were like, "No, that's a grease fire. Like, don't hire anybody from there. Like they have bad habits, you know." So, I think we're in a good position, but I do think we're in a three-year window if we're talking Browns, you know, football. Realistically, this is our three-year window starting today through the next three years, where offensive line, Nick Chubb, Miles Garrett, all these guys, this is it. Like, if they're going to make a run, they have to make it now. So, and I think there's a little more pressure now because look, you know, the defensive coordinator has been fired. They've let prefer go. I know we're going to get into that. And uh I think this is kind of like, you know what? You have to make tough decisions sometimes to get to that next level because you're like, no, that he doesn't have the it factor, right? We got to move up a little bit more. So. Yeah. The the Browns made a huge move uh, by signing Deshaun Watson for that monster contract and we got to see a a, a slight um he, you know just just a few games what was it six games we saw Deshaun Watson play mm-hmm. the first game was absolutely terrible but each game he got progressively better 
But I think that we'd be fooling ourselves, we'd be lying to ourselves if we said that we were 100% confident in Deshaun <laughs> yeah. Watson based on what we saw of these six games. Now, I know he has a body of work in Houston, and and, and that's why we signed him was what we saw in Houston. Right. How confident are you that, that by September he's going to be the Deshaun Watson of old? And, and are, are the Browns taking the necessary steps? I and mean, we haven't seen all the steps of the offseason, but – we saw that they let go of the QB coach. They're going to bring in another QB coach. Is is that to get Deshaun Watson right starting in September? I don't think it's even to get Deshaun. Uh, I think that was just him looking for another opportunity with some people that he's familiar with. But am I confident Deshaun Watson? Um, yes, and I'll tell you why. Because here's the deal. We all have personal lives, right? We all have good, bad, and different things that happen to us. I can't imagine as a human being all the stuff that he had to deal from the outside, all that noise, and then try to focus as a quarterback, go through an 11-game suspension, seeing Jacoby Brissett play. Let's just call it. He was a top-10 quarterback last year. Jacoby Brissett, let's just put it out there. Top-10 quarterback in the NFL. To see him playing at that level, that's a lot of pressure, right? Now, all of a sudden, you're going to take him out, and you're going to put him in, and you got to play at that exact level right today, right now. Well, that's a lot of pressure. I don't care who you are, right? That's a lot to take in. And you know what? Thank God the defense was there to bail us out in that first game and, you know, down in, in Houston. But I'll tell you what. What I did see was flashes, right? I did see during the season of Deshaun Watson high-stepping a guy – literally shaking four guys off of him, not getting sacked, like athletic, that real raw, rare kind of talent that he does have. So, yes, I have all the the confidence in the world because he's going to have a mini camp. He's going to have a training camp. He's going to be the guy going in, and it's like he's going to be super focused. Like I can see that that's why I have that confidence. Now, do I think he'll be the quarterback of old? I do, actually. I do because, because now he has that cloud kind of a way right now it's like a reset refresh you're going into 2023 you know what the marching orders are you know what you're here to do is win you know win uh divisions and get to the playoffs and hopefully win a super bowl that's why you were paid that money you weren't paid to just make the playoffs every year right that you when you go and spend that kind of money there's a lot of pressure now do i think he can handle that pressure yes and i use this analogy with my friends that are broncos fans would I pay Russell Wilson $250 million guaranteed or would I pay Deshaun Watson $250 million guaranteed? And I would say this. All day long, Deshaun Watson. One reason, age. Age catches up with you no matter if you're playing football or if you're a regular person. Russell Wilson has 10 years on Deshaun Watson. 10 wow. years. That's That's a lot of years, right? Correct. And they signed him basically to the same contract that Deshaun Watson did. He's, what, 26, 27 years old? 27. Deshaun, you know, and a lot of the national heads even said this. 26. The reason 16 teams or roughly those amount of teams that went after Deshaun Watson specifically was because no quarterback in recent memory in our lifetime was available in their prime to go to another football team. Think about that. If you look at all the quarterbacks, when is the last time a guy has been in his prime, prime years, everything that was like, here, do you want one of these? That doesn't exist. 
if you look at quarterbacks of recent, you know, Steve Young, uh, Brett Favre, they're in the twilight of their career, right? They, they, you know, he wasn't just like 27 years old and came off the, the Green Bay Packers. So that's why so many teams were like, this is such a hard position to get an elite quarterback at in the draft and try to, you know, it's a, it's a crapshoot sometimes. Who you think is going to be great is not. I mean, just look at the draft of Mayfield. How many of those guys made it and how many they didn't? Half of them did, half of them didn't, right? So it's always like we think this is the guy, but we just don't know. So, yes, for that same reason, his pedigree, um, his accuracy, for one. I mean, that was one thing when people were defending Baker Mayfield. I said, if you want to look at one stat, if you want to put Baker Mayfield on a bulletin board and Deshaun Watson, the amount of touchdowns that Deshaun Watson has thrown to his interception ratio is fascinating. Like it's such a great number that you want from a quarterback. And I'm like, Baker Mayfield, you know, at one point had the most interceptions in the NFL. Like, you know, that's not because anytime you give your team the ball again, you are just giving yourself less and less chance to win a football game. Right. And, And what is the stat? 90 some percent of the time, if you lose the turnover battle, you're losing the football game. Like, I mean, well, in this room, let's be completely honest. I was ready to throw my television out the window watching that Green Bay Browns game where Baker Mayfield came back from COVID. And I'm like, if he didn't throw three picks in this football game, we beat the Green Bay Packers. We had their number that day. If you remember those three interceptions oh, led deep. to 21 points by the Green Bay Packers. You don't throw those interceptions and you just play ball control like we were and a little bit of bully ball running the ball. We win that game. Maybe we make the playoffs that year. But because of those three picks, you handed, I mean, you gave gifts to, to the Green Bay Packers, right? In their house. And you had them beat dead to rights. Christmas Eve, wasn't it? Or Christmas Day? Yeah, it was Christmas, Christmas Day. Day. Yeah. Oh, Christmas yeah. Day. Yeah, it was Christmas yeah. Day. And I was like, you got to be kidding me right now. This is not what you want in a franchise quarterback. And I think that was the writing on the wall from the organization was like, all these things are really good. And here's the thing. What I loved about Baker, when he was high, he was high, right? When he was really on, he was on. But when he was down, he was down. There was like no – because I would rather have this at a quarterback, like not great, not bad, you know, like like Jimmy G. I put Jimmy G right here, right? You know what you're yeah. getting from Jimmy G. He's never going to be way up here. He's not going to be here. But he's never going to throw a game or kill a game for you, right? And it's like that's what I had with Baker Mayfield, that just too much inconsistency. You know, like, sure. Well, it's rookie year. Let's just call it for what it is. His rookie year, right? He yeah. broke the rookie quarterback record for touchdowns thrown, and we're all like, oh, we found our guy. This is this is it, right? And then the next year, boom, he goes down. And, and it's like, and it's like, you can't have that, right? Like, at that position, you've got to have somebody at least consistent. So, so to, that was a long-winded answer. But, no, I have a lot of confidence in Deshaun Watson. And I think – um he will prove a lot of people wrong. I don't know if you guys have seen this, these stupid things on Twitter. And like, they don't even have Deshaun Watson as a top 10 quarterback in 2023. Like when they do their quarterback rankings, it's like they're mad at him so much. They just throw him out. Like, have you seen that? It just yeah. blows my mind. It's like cancel culture. They just canceled them. Is what, well, what it seems like to me. Yeah, well, did you watch is- the, um, during the Super Bowl? they did a whole special had Doug Williams on. They were talking about, you know, like, you know, Doug Williams was the trend. You know, he was the first uh, African-American quarterback to win a Super Bowl. 
you know, and then it's been done this many times. It's the first time two African-American players are playing against each other in the Super Bowl as quarterback. And they showed all uh, the African-American quarterbacks in the NFL right now. They left Deshaun Watson off the entire video. Like, they didn't even put his name or he wasn't anywhere to be found. It's like, well, because he was controlling that, the National Football League. Correct. Now, you know why. I think you, you guys know why Deshaun Watson only got 11 game suspension, right? You know the backstory on this, right? You've heard this. So refresh our memory. So, so this is interesting. Power of the National Football League. The NFL said, because of his contract, because of Deshaun's contract, if you suspend Deshaun Watson for the entire year, okay? Remember, his contract is signed, right? Remember, Deshaun Watson only made a million dollars last year, right? And then it was prorated out for the rest. The NFL owners went to (laughs) Roger Goodell and said, you realize, and of course, this would have been great for the Browns, if you just if you suspend Deshaun Watson for an entire year, that contract rolls over into next year because of the suspension, and the Browns are only paying in 2023 Deshaun Watson a million dollars. It told they can go out and sign whatever free agents they want and create a super team, and none of us will be able to compete. And I'm the the rumor was multiple owners said. You have to do some kind of, you know, you can't do a full season, but we need to come to an agreement that you're not going to suspend him for the full year because if you do, you're going to make the Browns disproportionate cap-wise because all that money would roll over into the following year and they would have all that cap space rolling into next year and have Deshaun Watson. So They, they would have I mean, 22 Pro Bowlers on the team. <laughs> <laughs> well, now think about that. Like if, yeah. if, you, if you took that whole thing and you rolled it over into this next year, and with some people leaving and stuff, all of a sudden you go from down here to the top because all of a sudden you're only paying them a million bucks, not $50 million. You just all of a sudden got an yeah. extra. Somebody just gave you in the salary cap an extra $50 million in your piggy bank. They, you can do a lot with 50 million. Yeah. They potentially could have done what the San Francisco 49ers did in 1995 when they, in, they first instituted the salary cap. They knew it was the last year of it. So they signed all these like, Pro Bowl veteran guys, the one-year deals to mortgage themselves for a Super Bowl. And that's yep. literally what we could have done next year. Is like, hey, we're only going to give you a one-year deal, but we're going to give you a crap ton of money for this one year. Yeah. Yeah, so I think – so it was really interesting. And I, I told that to some people in my office. I'm like, you realize the NFL owners are going to throw a fit over this because Roger wants a year. The NFL front office wants a year. But all these owners are in his ear going, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. Because you're going to make it a disproportionate disadvantage for the rest of the players because of your decision on that. You know, so. Mikey, I don't know if you've heard that. I personally have not heard that. So, Dustin, congrats, man. Bring the facts on the show. Yeah, man. that's good stuff. Because it makes sense when you think. I mean, it does make a, it makes a ton of sense when you're thinking about it. Even going back to the suspension, it was it was so weird because you know they they said, "Hey, this is why we're bringing in an independent investigator. We're gonna we're gonna live we're gonna live and die by their decision." And the first decision she makes, they overruled. You know like, what? We're never gonna hear from her again. I'm serious. Yeah. Like that was that was her one case, and the NFL was like, "Well, that was a nice experiment. Experiment we should have never done." And then 
as soon as he didn't like the decision, he sent it to his buddy, who's the other independent mm-hmm. attorney, right? That did the, he was the one that went after Tom Brady, right? And kind of mm-hmm. threw the book at him. So I'm like, okay, so you've got somebody that you know is going to be in your favor. And then I think that's when the owner's like, ah, wait a minute. If you're going to go down this path, it's not going to be good for a lot of us. And mm-hmm. you know what? You know, you, you're going to you're going to see something maybe you didn't want. And that'd be the Browns in the Super Bowl with like, like you said, 22 pro bowlers. And you're going to be like, well, you did this. You let them do it. Like, yeah. And you can imagine a lot of and, and a lot here. And can we just talk about the NFL just for a hot second? Sure. We all have jobs, right? Is the NFL not the weirdest setup? of how like the owners and maybe I'm wrong, but the owners appoint the commissioner to basically regulate them weird, right? Like how would that ever be a case in a real job? Right? Like, okay, I'm going to make you my boss and you're going to tell me how, you know, you're going to dictate the rules, but I'm going to make you the boss. Right. Is that okay? Okay. Is that not the weirdest way The you know, like, I, it seems like it, it should almost be like an NFL board, if that makes sense, instead of like a commissioner where five people make a decision and there's like a tie break vote. It's just the weirdest setup. To uh, me. Yeah, I mean, you, you basically you have 32 companies that are, you know, and then you have one guy that tells everybody how everything goes. Well, well yeah, I don't know if the XFL that just started back up this weekend, they have three owners. Those three owners own all basically they own the entire league they own where the teams are and and where they the local so it's like it's weird that in the nfl well it's like that in most major sports that the commissioner works for the owners but if the owners get tired of the commissioner all they got to do is replace them they can just fire them like oh we're going to move on from you all we need is a two-thirds vote well yeah i mean think about that right it's it's the weirdest setup it's like it's like hey this is who we'd like to be our boss, and we feel like he will be easy on us. But you know what's weird? He hasn't been. Like the stuff with the the Washington Commanders and all the stuff that, you know, like, and, and here's the thing. I mean, there's been a lot made of John Gruden's probably going to possibly win his lawsuit because the judge looked at all the information and said, no, this can continue, right? So he hasn't, I mean, like, I think, you know, he gets booed at every NFL draft, right? But it's like, at what point are these current owners going to be like, you know what? He's getting a little long in the tooth. Maybe it's time to have a new, like, I liked Roger Tagliabue. I thought he was one of the best commissioners the league had had long. I just, I'm just surprised he hasn't, you know, been replaced yet, you know, in this modern era He's of all He's been the, the stuff commissioner for on. a long time. Like, as a kid, it was... Paul Tagliabue. Yeah, Paul Tagliabue. Before that, we'll forget, yeah. was uh, uh, Roselle. Pete Roselle. Yeah, Pete, Pete Roselle. Roselle. Pete Roselle. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. But it's like, how do these it's, guys – it's like – this is going to sound terrible, but it's like they get in there and it's like a dictatorship. Like, they're there, like until they're, like, excommunicated out, right? Like, it's like it's the weirdest thing. It's, uh, it's I don't know. And I, and, I, and I go back to like Goodell's reign. And it's like, you know, they've done some cool things and, and brought on. They've also done some things I think yeah. that has hurt the game. Like I like the 17 game schedule, the 17 adding more games and less preseason games was cool. I'm not always a fan yeah. of like, oh, we're going to play games on, uh, you know, we're going to play games on Thursday night. Oh, we're going to add a game on Saturdays. We're going to add a game on Fridays. Like it does get to the point where it's like, 
you're you're watering oh. down your product a little too much. The the player safety is not there. Like like Christmas yeah. Day, almost like do we need three games on Christmas Day? Well, and no. how about this whole Monday Night Football where it's multiple games on Monday Night? That's um, a little I don't odd, like dude. Yeah. I don't I don't want to stay up that late. Well, and here's the thing: like on the east or the west coast, like. So we've had Eric Metcalf on, right? He lives out in um, Seattle, right? In Seattle. And he goes, he goes, I love waking up at 10 a.m. and being able to have the rest of my day, you know. And I'm like, I, I was like, I know what you mean, man. I We kick off at 11 here. It's 1 o'clock on the East Coast. And by 2 o'clock, I still have the rest of my day on a Sunday, right? And so, but no, it's interesting. I don't know. It uh, There's some cool things that the NFL has done. I think the whole NFL draft experience is a very, I mean, I love going to the draft. I'm going to go to the, the here we go. Brownies is going to the NFL draft um, in Kansas city. I think it's a great thing for fans. It's free. You know, it's open to have that uniqueness. Um, I went to the one in Vegas. Personally, I thought the Cleveland did a better job with the draft than even Vegas did. Um, Everybody said the Vegas one was cool, but tell me you guys are fans. They, it was in a parking lot, like it was on a pavement and they had it all like out in this big area. They didn't showcase um, Allegiant, their stadium at all. Mm-hmm. None of the activities was in the stadium. And I, I was like, you know what was so cool about the Browns one is they let people come in and kick a field goal and be like really a part of like an NFL experience. And mm-hmm. I think that's what it should be like. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Now, Kansas City's is going to be downtown. I've already seen the layout. It's going to be by the World War One. Good museum. eating there, Dustin. Uh, Good eating. You'll like it. Oh, I tell you what, barbecue. Barbecue <laughs> is my pastime. If I and, and we don't get a ton of good barbecue out here, but man, I cannot wait for burnt ends. I love barbecue, and I'm like, I'm just going to eat like a pig for like five days. <laughs> but uh, but no, it's like, but I like that they're moving it around. So there's some been some very cool, innovative things the NFL has done, and then there's just other just things that just don't make sense. And that's one that has come back to bite them is the conduct policy rule. There's never been any consistency from a conduct policy to like, I mean, let's just call it for what it is. If Jordan came eight years later, he would not be dealing with what he's dealing with today. Like because of the, you know, the whole, you know, marijuana, like they don't really care about it now. But eight years ago, they were like, nope, nope. I mean, they were so strict about it. And I'm like, it's like, okay, he, he's not killing people. He's not, you know, like he's not doing violent crime. And you're like punishing somebody that actually has high anxiety. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that just, it mm-hmm. didn't make sense. There was no, there was no yin to the yang. And there was like, but some guy could do this and you give him two games. And you're like, there was just no, and that's why I think the NFL struggled with Things like Deshaun Watson. We've never had a case like this, but we've had this case, and that, and they just don't know how to handle those. It just, it, to me personally, they should have never been in this business. And, and a lot of people have said this: they've never, they should have never been in the conduct policy business. Period. The, the commissioner shouldn't do it. They should leave it to an independent person, literally, and then that kind of gives them some cover, right? You know, the independent study came out. This is what they think the recommended uh, punishment is, and we're going to go with it, right? Like. I don't know. I, to me, that seems very clean. And you're just like, yeah, we don't want to be. I mean, but here's the thing. Why is NFL judge and jury? Like at the end of the day, if you're if you commit a crime, right, or you're com- or accused of a crime, 
you know, why are we not waiting till court of law says you're guilty or not guilty, right? And it seems like a lot of times the NFL gets in the middle of that when they really probably don't need to, you know. Like the, the NBA, the NBA has its own, and like they back in the day, it was what it used to be Rod Thorne always did it. Like, right. when it was David Stern was in charge, like he never handed out the suspensions. Rod Thorne handed out the suspensions and David Stern just enforced them. Like, right. So I, I've never understood why, why they got into that. And I think that's the whole reason why she said it at six games. She's like, your policies are so inconsistent. I'm just going to go to six games because that's the closest thing I can find every, like you have guys that never even served a suspension. You had a guy like Tyreek Hill, you know, uh, you know, was accused of, uh, of breaking his son's arm. You had Adrian Peterson who uh, put his son in a hospital, whooping him with a with a stick. Like you, you didn't. These guys didn't sit one game. You didn't find them one penny. Right. Like, right. Yeah, it's weird. I just think. Yeah, if if I was in the front office and not Roger Goodell, and I was like an attorney, like guiding the NFL, I'd be like, we need to get out of the judge and jury. Uh, like that's like that's a law that's a law thing right like i mean yeah. why are we why where are we, why are we inserting ourselves in a court system that's not even now i agree that you can suspend him or you can do things like that but you shouldn't put games on it until a certain amount of time right or whatever you know well, where does the nflpa come into all this too i mean that's yeah there's that side of it too yeah well, I think the NFLPA is going to have a much bigger voice at the next collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, I think they're going to be they're going to look at all the stuff like Deshaun and all these inconsistencies and go, okay, clearly this isn't working, right? Because you give this guy this much, and you give, I mean, the one guy got what a year for betting, right? Like, wasn't or he got multiple? You know, I'm talking about the guy, the Falcons guy, wasn't he? Didn't he get like for making a sports bet or you know? I'm talking yeah, about a the full guy year wage. Yeah. For betting but, on his team to win. Right. But we're going to now have a bunch of sports betting be a part of the National Football League. Correct. <laughs> Figure out what you're doing here. Like, really? Yeah. Like, you're saying, we'll take all the money from all the online gambling. But, hey, that that's a year. That's it. I'm like, like it just, again, inconsistencies, right? It, it doesn't match your behavior, right? So, I just, it's weird to me. It just, the whole thing is just. <laughs> That's why Bill Belichick started, what was it, years ago? He he got so mad because he was like, why why do people need to know my injury report so so badly? He's like, you only care about it for the betting line. So he just started listing every player on the injury report. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck figuring out who's really injured and who's really not. They're yeah. all questionable. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Uh, Eric Metcalf talked about Bill Belichick, you know, because obviously he was with, you know, with Belichick and he brought up something on our show um, that, he, as you know, he had those two returns for touchdowns in that game against Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I, Bill Belichick had a rule uh, that always was in, back to the injury report. You did not play on Sunday unless you, uh, uh, Actually, for one game or one practice or one practice that week, you had to be suited up for one practice. Then you could play on Sunday. And he goes, "I suited up for one practice that week th with those two returns because he was banged up." And he goes, "He goes, 
But that was Belichick's rule. You had to suit up for at least one practice for that week if you're going to play on Sunday. So to your point, it was always a, you know, like, well, if you're going to suit up, I guess you'll play on Sunday. So, but yeah. Wow. Dustin, you are a true professional, my friend. You you told us pre-show, you're like, why do you guys have show notes? We, we, we don't go off that. And uh, I have to tell you, buddy, um, I have not even gotten to 75% of Sorry. what Sorry. I have written down. No, it's okay. The, this was all good stuff. I, I, I want to get into this. I, I want to give you guys a plug. Here we go, Brownies. You and Allie do an amazing show. You, you revealed to us, I, I thought it was only once, but you had Joe Thomas on your podcast twice already, mm-hmm. and you're having him again tomorrow night. So correct. I, I, I want to give you a chance to, to give yourself a plug. You know, where can the listeners find you, the, our audience, because you have a great show lined up for tomorrow night, and I know our audience would not want to miss that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, first and foremost, Joe Thomas, what a true – true Browns player through and through blue collar. Um, he's on the top of my list of favorite players to ever watch. Um, he was the one, one thing we got to look forward to on Sundays yeah. uh, when the team came back from 99. Uh, the only hall of famer to come out of, as we all know from the 99 forward class, but just the fact, how can you not like a guy that says, Hey, you know what? have your NFL draft. I'm going to go fishing with my dad on the lake. Just let me know what team I'm playing with. But to have 10,000 plus consecutive snaps, he's just a true gentleman. He loves the fans, by the way. He adores the fans. He appreciates everything uh, that, that Cleveland, you know, you know, all the love that he has gotten. And well, you'll, I don't want to give still too much away from the show tomorrow night, but you know, we, we have him on after his induction, obviously into the pro football hall of fame and that whole experience of what he's had to deal with, you know, post being announced. And we all saw what happened with him, but yeah, he's just, awesome. a, a, he, he's a true gentleman uh, through and through and just uh, you'll, you guys will really enjoy it. But yeah, tomorrow night, our show is always every Wednesday night, eight o'clock, uh, Eastern live. So we go 8 p.m. live Eastern. Uh, that's Here We Go Brownies on Facebook and then Go Brownies live on Twitter. Uh, both of those. And then obviously we put it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you know, after the show's over, download it there. But uh, I got to tell you, uh, it's been pretty humbling, our show, as you've probably seen it grow over the years. Um, it's just crazy what Allie and I have experienced over the last uh, few years and how much it's grown. And we're just we kind of look at each other sometimes and go, is this for real? Like, has this happened? And we've, we've had, to, we've had a lot of many great experiences and we're excited for a lot of great things to come in 2023. We can't tell everybody yet what's coming in 2023, but, uh, but we're excited, um, including um, our new swag is coming. So we're going to have all new swag for folks, uh, beanies, hats, shirts, golf shirts. Um, all those things will be coming out uh, here pretty soon, but uh, you know what? We're a fan base that's so passionate and just we're so hungry for a championship. Uh, I, I can't think of another franchise of or another NFL team that is like the Browns. I think we're very unique and like we're the Cubs of football. Like we're there every Sunday. If it's 0-16 or 16-0, and we're there every Sunday. And I can say this about other fan bases and they can get mad or but 
when you're playing bad, your stadium, I'm sorry, your stadium isn't completely full or pretty full when your team's losing. You know, the Browns fans have come to Cleveland every season to watch their Browns play. And I think the city, they'll probably have to close Cleveland for like three days from the outside world because that championship that the Cavaliers won was amazing, but a Browns Super Bowl win will be a hundred times what that was. Oh, I mean, it will be, it will be out of this world. And I, I will. So, and, and I'm going to ask you guys this question because I think this is a really good question. Where would you rather be? And I, I know my answer, and I'm curious about your guys. Would you rather go to the Super Bowl, like as a fan, right to to the to the Super Bowl? Or would you rather be at in Cleveland for the AFC Championship game when they win it and knowing they're going to the Super Bowl? In Cleveland. And the reason yeah. why I say that, we drove up to Cleveland for Game 7 of the Cavs uh, series. Game 7 for the finals. We're in Cleveland. Our, our hope is that we get there and we can celebrate in Cleveland. We didn't even go to the arena and watch it on the outdoor screen. Like we were literally watching it some like downtown bar with like hundreds of people. Because you knew what was about to happen if yeah. Correct. That experience. I would I always tell these people like there's there's like five top five moments in my life. Obviously, my kids being born, getting married to my wife is is top three. Number four is being that was a good there. Answer, by the way, good answer, Mike. Good. Number four is there. If the Brown, if I could be at one of those moments, like even this, if the Browns were in the Super Bowl, I would still rather be in Cleveland, watching them somewhere in the Super Bowl. I and as as opposed to being in, I don't care if Kevin Stefanski says, "Hey, Mikey, you can come sit on the sidelines with us." I'd still rather be in Cleveland with yeah. the fans. Well, because because here's the truth, that fandom will be euphoric, right? It'll be off the charts because even at that point, just the Browns to make a Super Bowl because we're one of only four teams that have never made it, that will be euphoric in so many ways, right? Absolutely. And then just that feeling of going to the streets and, you know, we're going to the Super Bowl, right? Like, that's amazing, right? Like, that's going to just be a, a thing that you'll never get out of your mind. Now, the Super Bowl, I would love to go to the Super Bowl, but let's keep in mind, that's about a third fans from both teams. And then a third of those tickets are given out to corporations, you know, people that are very influential, have money and all that. So it's a different atmosphere, right? I mean, it's it's, it's a cool atmosphere, but it's not like in your home city. And my friend, I was like, the friend that basically made me a Browns fan in the third grade, I said, look, if the Browns ever make an AFC championship game, in our lifetime, you know, because the 80s was the last time, and it's a home game, you damn well better get your car ready or your airline because you're going to be there with me, and we're going to take this in together because it may, ne- may never happen again. And I was like, and he was like, oh, guarantee we'll be there. Because even with the chance of it happening, right, we better be there for that opportunity. To your point, Game 7 in Cleveland, because you want to be a part of what could just about to happen. So, oh. yeah. So, so for me, it's the same answer that you guys had. I would rather be in Cleveland for that AFC championship game. 
I mean, me and Jason experienced a euphoric moment. We were in Cleveland Saturday night. It's uh, the series is tied one one. Yankees Guardians Guardians and Guardians Indians fans have hated the Yankees forever. Oh, Down. is this the one the game that went into the extra innings? Is this the one you're talking about? They won in the bottom of the ninth. Bottom of the ninth, down two runs, scored three runs to walk it off. Walk off. And that place was, like, electric. Like, I've never experienced, yeah. like, you know, the, being around Game 7 up in Cleveland like that, that was that was euphoric. But, like, the atmosphere, being around all those fans and watching the moment happen, I was like, oh, my God. I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be at a Browns game in the playoffs and say like Kate York's lining up for a kick or Deshaun Watson's leading us down for a touchdown yeah. drive. Like just the, the pop you could hear, like you could feel it. Like you're almost like well, lifting you up. Like that's it's just amazing. Well, yeah. And I, I will tell you that feeling that I felt that Allie and I went to for that against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that game, that weird feel to it. The fans were just crazy. That game was, I mean, the fans were electric. And I'm like, man, imagine this, like, take this this energy and then put it in the playoffs for a home game, right? Like, and I'm just thinking, like, like, like it would be the Browns of the old municipal at that point. It would be that kind of energy where people were just so hungry for a win, you know, of, of that magnitude. And I gotta tell you, that night after that Tampa Bay game. Everybody downtown Cleveland was like, oh, my gosh, we just beat the goat, which we did. Right. We beat the goat yeah. in our house. And it was like that was it. And then does have Nick Chubb just to put the icing on the cake? Um, and I don't know if you saw, but Jacoby Brissett basically went over and picked up Kevin Stefanski. And like, you know, they like literally after that play, because he knew how big a moment that was for the city. Right. And, and and Stefanski, I don't think was ready for him to come pick, you know, have Jacoby because Jacoby's a big guy to go pick like that. He knew how much that meant for that city and those fans. Even Jacoby did. And that moment, like, this is this is a special moment we all need to take in. And unfortunately, we haven't had enough of those. I do think a lot of those are coming sooner than later. But I got to tell you, I, I I can't wait for those days. And the only thing that's going to annoy me, guys. Is all the Browns fans that come out of the woodwork everywhere yeah. Browns fans? Because <laughs> it'll happen. It'll happen. I'll take I, it though. Yeah, I, I tell you what, get the... I, Well, I always tell people like they were like, "What is your list of teams you hate the most in the AFC North?" So I'll give you I'll give you mine, and then I'll have you guys give me yours. Number one, Ravens. Like without hmm. a doubt, I hate them more than the Steelers. They, they, they stole our football team and they won two Super Bowls. That just, that will never leave my, just irks me. Then the Steelers, for obvious reasons, that's our rival. And then, and then the Bengals. I, you know, I don't like super hate the Bengals, but that is my pecking order because think about it. What could have been if Belichick stayed here with this football team and what he was going to build here? We, I mean, those could be Lombardi's in Cleveland and not New England. As far as like, because he's that good of a coach, right? I mean, he 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 does more with less than anybody in the National Football League. He makes he makes blue chip guys look like pro bowlers, like like just what he does, right? He gets the most out of his players, and I just to have the team stolen like that, and then you basically like, oh, you know what? Here's an expansion team. Good luck with that. Like, like you know, like it just, and I just think they set us up for failure in that way because. Here's, you know, here's an expansion team where the uh, the owner is going to be a guy who actually helped get the team originally out of Cleveland. 
<laughs> Al Lerner so, played a big part in that. Well, I will tell you, uh, we had uh, we had we interviewed Carmen Policy of all people about a year ago on the podcast, and it was a fascinating interview about how he got thrown into that. You know, because he's from Youngstown, he's a, and he mm-hmm. really wanted football to come back to Cleveland, and how he really wanted Cleveland to be a winner, like really bad. Like you know, you could tell he could he put his you know Dwight Clark being hired, all those guys, you know, yeah. to try to reinvent what he did and san francisco and try to but it was interesting to interview him because that guy knows a lot about football and the fact that he was you know he's an attorney and he said he i believe said he's still he's on the advisory council for the nfl to advise them on it on uh legality type of things but man that guy wealth of knowledge you know carmen policy you know with the super bowls that he won and then trying to come back to cleveland to try to win something just just but yeah i mean but it but it's like I mean, we were all there in 99, you know. We we're all excited for the NFL to come back, and then we get beat, what, 51 to nothing or whatever that score was. It was <laughs> what, it was terrible. What screwed us in that is going back is because Carolina and Jacksonville were so successful so early because they had – they basically did what the NHL did with, like, how the Golden Knights came in that year, and they, like, went to the Stanley Cup their first year. They, were, they weren't stringent enough on the guys they could protect during the expansion draft. So when J- Carolina and yep. Jacksonville did so well, they were like, we can't have an expansion team make the playoffs that quick. It can't happen. Right. So they were like, they went the opposite. They went the other way. Then yeah. so bad that after they screwed us, they were like, when Houston comes in, they're like, yeah, we got to go back the other way because that 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 just screwed them over too much. So we, we got to fix that. Yeah. And well. I yeah, Jack- Jacksonville and Jacksonville and Carolina weren't they in the championship games? The second years they were both went to the yeah. AFC championship, and I, ironically enough, Baltimore was supposed to get the expansion team when Jacksonville got it. Correct. Something something happened, and then Jacksonville got it, and I and I guarantee to this day they regret that that ever happened. They were like, because they've been trying to get the team out of Jacksonville ever since, like, right, but. They they promised Baltimore, a, you know, expand an expansion team at that point, and but there was no opportunities there. So when when Cleveland came up, that's what they have, and that's why it was so quick. Like they were like, "All right, we're going to move the team to Baltimore. But we're also going to give Cleveland an expansion team now." Right. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, Dustin, I'm with you. My pecking order is Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Bengals. I mean, that's. I, Mikey P, I think you're a little bit different from what so, I So I'm Steelers one for me. And the only reason I'm Steelers is because uh, I know some Steelers fans that are good people, but then I know some that are like they're they're decent people, but as fans, they're just a-holes. Like they say stupid things like, I'm glad uh, you know, I hate uh, football season's over for me, like or they say dumb things like Mike Tomlin should be fired and get that bomb out of my, you know, get that bomb out of Pittsburgh. And they, he's, or, never had, he's never had a losing record his entire. Correct. Or when you say things to them, they constantly go back to like, no matter what happens, like even after the playoff game is like, Hey man, we, we finally got it. Got the best of you guys. Are like, well, you, you still got a long way to go to get the six Super Bowls. We're the only still, still the only team with six Super Bowls. It's that constant stuff. Like Steeler fans just, irk me and it, it's the whole bandwagon 
there's a lot of bandwagon Steeler fans is what bothers me too. Like, oh, what yeah. part of Pennsylvania from? Oh, I'm from LA. <laughs> well, I will say I see a lot of Pittsburgh's not uh I don't see a lot of Pittsburgh fans out. I mean, there is a fair amount out here, but I would say Pittsburgh Raiders and Cowboy fans are kind of those three groups that seem They're to be like a national they kind of get a national grouping of fans that just kind of get you know kind of galvanized towards those guys but uh yeah it's uh it's interesting but uh no it, it's it, it also is weird to me like Bengals fans you know like they'll be the first and this I don't know if you guys ran into this and I don't know what your opinion on this is personally but I, I'm not a big fan of Browns fans rooting for the Bengals because I was like, but but there's but there's some of the there's some Browns fans out there like that. And they're like, yeah. well, they're from Ohio. And I'm like, no, no, no. They were totally rooting for the Chiefs when we were in the playoffs in the second round. Absolutely. And I'm like, they were wishing us ill will. Like, you can't you can't be a Bengals fan. Like, and like, no, they're they, they would turn turn your back on you in a second. Like. No, you don't root for that team. They're your rival, right? Um, it's just, that's the reason they're a rival. But I just I've never understood that. But uh, no, I and quite honestly, if I look at the division now, I don't hate the Bengals, but they're they're probably our biggest out, you know, uh, to try to get around every year. Um, I have a gal that just started working in the building. She's actually from Cincinnati, and she says, "I've heard of you already." I'm like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "I hear you're a Browns fan." I'm like, "Yeah." I go, because, yeah, you're the team from the north. Like, like so she was already ready to, and uh, she was like, you know, and I was like, I was like, yeah, you're really good, but consistently you can't beat us. And she's like, yeah, you're right. We can't consistently beat you. And it's like, they, you know, what are they, one and three against us yeah. now or what, uh, what, something like that? It, so, it, you know, you just have to but, tell them, hey, you're one of the few NFL teams that doesn't, uh, that has your airport to get there in another state. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, it, you know. So uh, I think you guys all know Todd Blocker down with the Beaver Creek Browns backers. Yeah. Uh, you know, he calls them the Covington Kitty Cats. Um, that's <laughs> another nickname for the, the Cincinnati Bengals. But uh, no, you're right. It's it, it, but they but we care. We, we share a weird history with them. Right. It's, you know, Paul Brown goes down there and, you know, you know, still, uh, I, am I correct? The Brown family still owns them. Correct. Yeah. Mike well. Brown is yeah, to his yeah. son. I mean, eventually. Yeah. Eventually it'll probably go to the daughter who's the, yeah. I think she's next in line. So we, we, we share this weird history. I mean, it's no coincidence. The colors are very similar, right. To the Browns. Like, so we have this weird kind of, it's like, it's your stepbrother, right? It's like, Hey, yeah. I like him, but I don't really like him. You know, he's, he's my yeah, stepbrother. We're, we're not blood brothers or nothing. He's yeah, just stepbrother. Brother. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, I just, I, and, and, you know, back to your earlier question, Jason, you know, the optimism for the Browns this year, if you look at teams, typically Jacksonville is a great example of that. Look at their strength of schedule this last year, right? They suck the year before. So they had a pretty favorable schedule that as crazy as it is, the Browns ended up being fourth in the AFC North. I looked at the schedule this year. I don't Not that bad, that. is it? Well, I just, I look at it and I go, why can't the Browns go 11 and six minimum. Like I look at it and go, I see six losses and 11 wins with a full healthy roster. Right. Like I can see that. Like I can go, yeah, that's winnable. That's winnable. That's a toss up. You know, you win 
you go six and two at home, right, or whatever, and win half of them on the road, you're in that ten to eleven win. I mean, I, I don't see it not being doable. Like, I think there's a lot of teams that you could beat there. So yeah, we actually have nine home games. So there, yeah. that's that. And then there's some teams that are like questionable. We'd already well, talked about, about them at the beginning of the episode. You know, the Jets, the 49ers, like what are they doing at quarterback? Um, well, yeah, the Rams. Think, think, but you bring up a good point, Jason. The Browns go seven and two at home, right? They play really well at home. And then they go 500 on the road, four and four. There's your 11 wins, right? Or there if you go. go six and three at home, right? You win twice as many as you lose. There's your 10 wins, right? There's, yeah. At minimum, I told Allie this in previous ones, the benchmark should start at the bottom this year for the Browns to get a wild card. That is the minimum this team should get is a wild card. Yeah. Division. It has to be. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the minimum based on what we're going to have this year. You're not doing your job as a coaching staff or players if you don't come in as a wild card. And I don't care if you come in at 765, whatever that is, because you are having to pay the – you know, you are going against the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens, the Joe Burrows, the Herberts. I haven't even got into this, but I'm not a big – I love Kellen Moore. He played at Boise State um, as a quarterback. He was the offensive coordinator at Dallas. He's now the offensive coordinator of the Chargers. That's not going to help the AFC. He's a he's an offensive mastermind. He's going to make Justin Herbert even a better quarterback. You know, and, I, and I'm surprised – they let him go. I think they were just, you know, I think it was one of those, I'm going to go where he goes kind of situations with McCarthy in, in Dallas. But, you know, you, you have to play up against those quarterbacks. You, you may not win the division, right? Because you're playing up against, I mean, if you look at the NFC versus the AFC, it's way tilted now. Super oh, tilted, yeah. right? I mean, like, the the, 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 the the strength of the league is in the AFC. You know, and it's like, all the power quarterbacks are in the AFC. You got a few in the NFC, and that's it. And then the rest are kind of, you know, down below. But, yeah, but you got to get to the playoffs. I mean, that's a I, minimum this year. Minimum. I, I know we have to land this plane. We're, we're up against it. But I, I want to ask you this. How important is it for Kevin Stefanski and the Browns to get off to a fast start next year? Like, to set the stage for what we're trying to do next year. I mean, can we can't start off two and four, right? I mean, we we got to have a fast start to, to have a successful season. Yeah, I would say, well, I guess the argument for that is yes and no. So, you know, if we if we come out starting 500 or, we, you know, we look at our schedule and it's kind of difficult to start, I'm not too worried about that, right? As far as, you know, you don't want to go 0 and 2 or, you know, or something like that, obviously. But if you start out, you know, 2 and 2, 3 and 2, I don't know if we need a fast start because it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And I looked at teams this year, like look at San Francisco, man. They got on fire. Look at the Bengals. After they lost to the Browns on Monday night football, they never lost again until the AFC championship game. They were 0-2, right? They started off. (laughs) Yeah. So my point being, it's all about schedules, right? Because they could come out with the toughest first six games and, they go three and three. Well, yeah, they had a really tough schedule. And then the back half, but if they get hot, it's how you play in December because that's what gets you into January, right? So yeah. I just want them to be more importantly that first part of the, the first half of the season, just playing fundamental good football. And I want them to be in every game. And if they lose it, 
it's not because you had a meltdown against the Jets, right? I don't want to see any of that crap next year, stuff like that, where it's just a total. Now, with Schwartz in there, I'm really excited about what, what's going to come with Schwartz. But we haven't even I brought him Miles up. Garrett, I think Miles Garrett's ready to have a piece of cake. He's he's so excited. He's like, you know, this is like a, this is like a birthday for me. Like, what's going to be able to, what my season's going to look like next year. But in the big scheme of things, it's not so much for me a fast track out of the gates. It's where are they going to be in that last six weeks and how are they playing down the stretch? So that's what I'm going to be looking for. I, I think that I think that I'm looking forward to September. I want to see Deshaun Watson. Like I want to see him in better than we saw him the 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 six games this year. I, I want to see out the gates like Deshaun Watson of old. I want to see the the offense flowing. I'm excited about you. You brought up Jim Schwartz. We haven't even talked about him this episode. I mean, that was a big hire for the Browns. I mean, you, you think about. This year, if our defense was just a little bit better, we're talking about a playoff team. You know, and that, well, yeah, you, I can look at the Falcons and the Jets game. Those are the two where just they got away from us and they were very, very winnable games. You put those two in the win column, the Browns are what, nine and seven, probably mm-hmm. fighting for a seventh seed, right? And then, by the way, Deshaun Watson's in the playoffs. You never know, right? That's the whole idea of the playoffs. You just never know once you're in you know, if you get hot or whatever. So you just got to have a chance once you're in there. But uh, no, so I think, yeah, I, I look, I just want to see more fundamental football and just not inconsistencies because I just saw too many inconsistencies from the Browns last year. And that just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. So, Well, we have a, a long off season. Mikey P, you mentioned in the beginning of the episode, free agency starting was it about a month, Is that a little less than a month. A little well, bit less than a month 20, away. About 22 days. Teams are going to start tagging people for, um, you know, they're going to start tagging their players. We talked about yep. Lamar Jackson. So we're going to talk about all that this season on this show. And then Dustin and Allie are going to be, I mean, they have a they have a great show uh, starting tomorrow night with Hall of Famer and Duck D, Joe Thomas. So doesn't make sure that, you tune into great, that. That's a great ring to it, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it's so. Real quick, for fantastic. I just realized something the other day. So uh, our Browns backers chapter won chapter of the year with the Browns backers. The day Joe, Tom- I noticed he's wearing the same clothing. They had him film a video for us, and it's yep. on YouTube. And I'm like, the I was like, I felt kind of bad because I'm like, on the day he gets announced that he's going to the Hall of Fame, like they made him read this thing. Well, I tell you what, I gotta tell you. So, you know, I will say this about Browns backers clubs. I think they are trying to do a, this is the Browns organization, full disclosure. I think they're trying to do a much better job of involving the players and having more of that human connection to yeah. the fans, which I think is, is, is very much needed. Um, we all saw what Jim Donovan, the statement he made uh, mm-hmm. a little while ago, like let your fans in, let Correct. them in. Right. So I like that. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you saw that whole video, like yeah, it was yeah, White yeah. Color and all those guys thanking you. I mean, that was yeah. super cool. Like, I was like, man, if I won Club of the Year and I got that kind of message, that video message, I thought that was super cool. And I think you're going to see more and more of that, which I think is a good thing and a healthy thing for the fan base and stuff like that. And no, I think it was really cool. And I think they just said, hey, we know how much you love the fans. Would you mind doing this? And I'm sure he that probably awesome. said, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he's, he's a hell of a guy. Absolutely. I'm sure he's happy to yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Just just promise him some I'm barbecue. Sure he he's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dustin, man. And some good whiskey. And some good whiskey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Thank you for coming on the Yard Dogs podcast, Dustin. We, we've we've um, had you for plenty of time tonight. We appreciate all the time you spent with us. Oh, hope we can do it again. Even that, yeah. Really do. Oh, I hope absolutely. we can do this again. Yeah, Definitely. And we'll get um, Allie on next time. We'll, we'll get Allie on next time. Yes. That'd be awesome. Um, but good luck to you and your show. We we really appreciate it. I like to end all of our podcasts with a go brown. So Dustin, Mikey P, you know, if you'll join me on the count of three, one, two, three, go, go Browns. Browns. Go Browns. See you next week. Yeah.